Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 965. Have something to say. Don't sit and rehash what other people have done. We don't need another Jaguar E-Type book that just has nice pictures and some captions. We don't need another Porsche book that does the same. So have something to say. Bring something new to the table. Add to the store of knowledge that we have. That's the message. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Peter Larson is a lifelong gearhead. He serves as a Pebble Beach class judge, and he also judges at the Concorde Elegance at Chantilly, outside Paris, and at Schlossdijk in Germany. Peter has a wide taste in cars, having owned automobiles as varied as a Bizzarini, a Fossil Vega, Duesenberg Model J, and a number of Maseratis, including two Ghiblis and a 500 GT. His enduring fascination has been with French cars in general, and Talbo Lago in particular, including ownership of two T26 Grand Sports. He and Ben Erickson co-authored the book Talbo Lago Grand Sport, The Car from Paris, and Jacques Suchic, Matre Corrosier, or My French Sucks, and I apologize for that. Peter also authored a book about Joseph Figoni, and today he's here to share his and Ben Erickson's latest venture, a three-volume series titled The Kellner Affair, Matters of Life and Death. It's a fascinating read, a book well worth being on any automotive connoisseur's desk, and the history is absolutely amazing. Peter, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little more about your history, your business, and a very obvious passion for very fine automobiles? Well, I've been into cars basically since I learned to talk, and that was early, and my mother said, once I learned to talk, I never stopped. <laughs> and uh, one of the first words that I learned was opal. Ah. So, uh, and I don't know where I have it from. My family is not into cars. <laughs> uh, my father drove nasty cars. And uh, so I don't know where it came from. But it's been with me all my life. And uh, it's certainly not going away. A few things in your intro. We'll talk about that later, but the book about Fagoni does not exist yet. That's actually what I'm working on at the moment. Ah, okay. It's Shak Sao Cheek. There you go. Yeah, but actually he was Russian, so it's not your French that's bad. It's <laughs> My, maybe a Russian. Well, yeah, that's even worse. Maybe a Russian. <laughs> yes, maybe it's your Russian. Yes, thank you. I have been interested in cars and their history for as long as I can remember. Yes, yes. You know, we had a great fun when we spoke before, and I'll remind our listeners, if you missed that show, Peter was guest number 570, appearing back uh, August 8th, 2016. You can find that talk that we had back on the Cars yeah! website. But today we're here to talk about this new book, The Kellner Affair. It's a magnificent historical record of the French Resistance and all sorts of different things. But first... As we continue on your journey, I'd like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Peter, take the wheel. About success, I would say that there was once a person who said that sometimes it is the people 
who no one imagines anything of who do the things no one can imagine. Mm. And that has applied for me with a lot of these French coach builders. These were people who often came from very little, and they turned out to be great artists. Artists in metal on the level of a Gauguin or a Renoir, they would create these fabulous, incredible shapes. And some, of course, were more industrial. Kellner actually was a very large operation. Sauchik was a very small one. But they shared that they were able to create these fantastic automobiles that we celebrate today. Oh, I absolutely. I mean, it, the cars that came out of that era just blow me away. They are works of art. And I love the way that this quote of yours also applies so much to the people that you write about and tell about in this book as well. From the man who said it, the man who said it was actually Alan Turing, the man who uh, broke the Enigma codes during the Second World War ah. and who uh, basically invented the computing machine as we know it today. They're actually computer nerds who call a computer a Turing machine. And uh, so he was the one who said that. Ah, brilliant. I love it. Well, would you share with us what instigated your goal to write this book, The Kellner Affair? You know, it's an amazing book. And as I rolled through the many, many, many pages, I was uh, blown away by all the history and the things that you had to work on. I know you dedicated this to your late father, Niels Christian Larson. So tell us, what made you take on such an incredible project? Well, this is a long story, and it's going to maybe overlap with some of the other questions that you'll ask later. First of all, the, the book, let me tell you what the book is about. It's, it's, it's about some of the most influential people in the French luxury car business before the Second World War, how they came together through a series of circumstances, things that just happened. And how they fought bravely against the Nazi occupation force in Paris, how they formed a resistance group, how they gathered intelligence, how they were betrayed by double agents, and how they were executed in 1942. Mm. And one of the main reasons I wrote the book or had to write the book, I know that sounds pretentious, but it's true is that my father was in the Danish resistance and he was denounced and he was captured by the Gestapo and he was tortured in Denmark and sent to a German concentration camp. Mm. He survived, of course, otherwise I wouldn't be here. So these, these questions are very close to my heart. These people in the French luxury business included Jacques Kellner, who ran a large coach building enterprise, the designer Georges Paulin, who is very famous for his aerodynamic designs that are very celebrated today. Walter Sleater, who was the director of Rolls-Royce in France and who survived the war. And so the book is all about their talent and their work and their lives and their cars and their loved ones and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, what the book is really about is about fighting for what you believe in and being willing to give up your life for what you believe in. Another quote I could have used is, of course, the very famous uh, John F. Kennedy quote. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Yes. So these people, they 
fought bravely against the Nazis and they were denounced and they were caught and they were shot. So it is a book that the subtitle is Matters of Life and Death. And that is very much what it's about. There's also a lot about cars in there. Yes. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big discussion in the beginning about how streamlining developed in France because – and again, it's a very it's it's almost a kind of Pirates of the Caribbean kind of story because these people all came together because they were working on aerodynamic cars before the war, and the director of Rolls Royce he ended up in Madrid, where he was hired by MI6 to gather intelligence in France and to organize French resistance groups, and that's how this whole group came into being. Wow. But what happened was that I had been working on the book about. Figoni. And Figoni was arrested at the same time as these members of this resistance group. He was released by the Nazis. And for that reason, I was researching that whole thing. And as I kept on doing my research, because there's been a lot written in France about this resistance group, not outside of France, but inside of France. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't make it fit. It's... <laughs> To be colorful, it's, it's like when you find a cold cut in the bottom of the fridge and it's changed color and it just doesn't smell the way it should. <laughs> yeah. So I kept on going back and I just couldn't make these accounts fit. So I got in touch with a woman that I know uh, in France whose job is to find things in the French archives. And we kept on digging and we dug and we dug and it took a long time. And finally, we found the dossiers of each and every one of the members of the resistance group. And they told me that I was right, that something was wrong. Mm. And then we kept on hunting. And finally, we found in German the court case that the Nazis conducted against the resistance group, where they were all sentenced to death. Wow. Wow. And... When I saw these files, I could see that nobody had seen them since they were archived in 1942. And I could also see that not everything, but much of what had been written in France about it was simply factually wrong. And the most alarming thing was that the person whom everybody in France had assumed was the traitor was not. It was somebody else. Fascinating. And I could prove who that was. Wow. And then because of my background, with my father having been in the resistance, I sat there and I said to myself, I have got to write this book because I can't let this information be an appendix in another book. So that's why I wrote it. <laughs> and I, I know it sounds pompous, but it was a book I had to write. Yes. So that's what I did. Well, magnificent job, and I, I love the fact that it's tying automobiles, which is what Cars Yeah is all about, with historical facts, with history, and then that personal touch with you and your father and all the horrors that he went through and everyone else during the war. It's absolutely fascinating. I'd love for you to share one of the biggest challenges with this book. Now, I know you faced a lot of challenges with this book because you and I have talked about this book ever since you appeared here on Cars yeah. Yeah, a year and a half yeah. ago. And yeah. I kept saying, yeah. Peter, yeah. when's it going to be? And it's like, I. It's been a lot of hard work. I think that 
one of the biggest challenges was to make the final decision to write the book because in Europe, in the occupied countries, talking about what happened during the occupation and who was a collaborator and who was not a collaborator and so on and so forth, these are still touchy subjects mm -hmm. because what happened after the war was very cavalier. If people who had helped the Nazis were caught quickly, they would get a heavy punishment for maybe a lesser crime. And if you were smart and you managed to evade the authorities for long enough, you would get a relatively small uh, punishment for a heinous crime. Mm -hmm. And people have said, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to dig up this hot potato? Why do you want to uh, maybe cause grief for descendants of collaborators? And I, I, I thought about that quite a bit, but I arrived at the conclusion that that is a consideration that I cannot take. Hmm. I am not in my book blaming descendants of collaborators for something. But if you are a descendant of somebody who did something terrible, you're going to have to come to terms with it. Because if I take that consideration, I'm not taking consideration of the people who died so that we may live. Yes. And so that was probably the most difficult decision to take. And also, I mean, I will be writing a completely new version of these events and what happened. And I can foresee that there might be people who will not be altogether happy about that. And for that reason, in volume three, there is a USB that links up to the cloud and that accesses 401 pages in a flip book, which are all the original archive materials reproduced in facsimile so that anybody who is doubting my version of the story, they can go right up there and read the original documents and then they can chew on those before they chew on me. <laughs> Fascinating. Very well said. Although, of course, you're, you have to read French. You have to be able to read French. You have to be able to read German. Mm. But it's all there. So there is access to the original files, the original documents that were filed in facsimile so that people can see that I'm not making it up. Uh. Because otherwise, there could be people who would accuse me of gross his, histor historical manipulation. Of course, of course. Wow, you know. that is brilliant. I love the fact that you did that to back everything up. Now, now how about a, an aha moment with this book? I would assume you uncovered many aha moments, but is there one that really stands out for you? Well, that was the moment when Martine in France, she's the one who is an expert in finding things. The reason nobody has ever seen these things is that the French archival system is very occult. It's, it's, but she finally, after all this searching, because we knew it had to be there, the minutes of the court case that the Nazis conducted, mm -hmm. that was the aha moment. When I, when I, when I saw that, it was, uh, I, I don't even remember what else I did that day. I just said, I read German. So I just sat there and I read it and I thought, my God, I mean, this this is what happened. This is what really happened. Wow. And, Must have been and, a chilling uh, moment. Very. And, of course, one needs to know that because it was a Nazi court, they were, of course, not allowed a lawyer who could defend them. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, this book is obviously extremely special for you, extremely personal because of your family and your father's involvement. But what makes you so proud of the final publication? 
Well, on the one hand, the fact that I managed to pull through and get it done, I'm kind of proud of that. Yes. And also that the designer has done such a great job. The packaging of the book is amazing. It was very challenging to make because I wanted something that was not colorful. I mean, it is a somber book. It is not a happy book. Mm -hmm. You were talking about quotes before. There's another very famous quote by Orson Welles who said that if you want a happy ending, that depends on where you stop the story. Yes. So this book is something that needed to be told, but it's not a happy book. So I wanted it not to be colorful. I wanted it to have a certain look. So we worked very hard on that. And, and it's, it's, it's very lovely done with debossed black glossy print against the matte gray surface mm-hmm. and uh, tipped in photo and so on. It's, it's, it's really very, very nicely done. Yeah, it's, got an, it's got an elegance about it for sure. And we reproduced the Kellner badge in metal on the on the on the front. So um, nicely done, so, nicely done. Yeah, yeah. Well, we touched on it earlier. Both I did and you did. Tell our listeners a little bit about your other books. It was one Sunday in two thousand eight or something that because I've been into Talbot Lagos all my life, and it was sort of the same thing that I could see in these articles that were published about these obscure cars that people were repeating each other's mistakes. Mm-hmm. There were so many things that I knew were wrong. So I, I said to myself one Sunday, I'm going to write a book about these cars. And nobody around me, nobody in my family, nobody believed me and said, yeah, right, fine, you're going to write a book. <laughs> but I did. And it took me a long time because at that time, of course, I didn't know anybody and nobody knew me. So when I sort of contacted them, it was there was a lot of uh, who are you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but I did it and I completed it and it came out and it was very well received. And, of course, I was very happy about that. I won the Cougno Prize for that one. Congratulations. Uh, from the uh, Society of Automotive Historians. And 10 of those Sauchi Grand Sports, it was about Talbot Lago, this Grand Sport model. And 10 of those, they only made 32, and 10 of those or 11 of those were bodied by uh, the coach builder, Sao Chik. And I became very fascinated by Sao Chik. So I just started on a book about that. And David Cooper, who is a restorer, he may have appeared with you yes. in, in Chicago. He had bought an archive, a Sao Chik archive at Retromobile some years ago, and he let me use that freely and with no strings attached. And that was a wonderful thing that was the start of my researches. And then uh, we managed, and and that was the most incredible thing about that book, we managed to make contact by a sheer fluke with the wonderful daughter, who is now in her 90s, of Jacques Sauchik's mistress, whom he had for 40 years. Wow. Wow. It turned out that that there was this whole side of his life that nobody had ever known about. And she was this wonderful, wonderful, amazing person who she had worked as a lawyer and spoke perfect English and her mind was crystal clear and she shared and it was it was great. And and, and that made that that elevated the book to something that, you know, it just wouldn't have been without. So so that so that came out. And then uh, uh, that won a lot of prizes, and and um, 
So it's been really sort of following the yellow brick road so far. <laughs> this book here, it's got a lot about cars in the beginning, and it's also got a lot about cars in the end because it also tells the story of how this director of Rolls-Royce in France who managed the resistance groups in Madrid during the war came back to Paris and actually took control of Rolls-Royce France in a manner which, shall we say, was not very nice. Mm. So, I mean, there's also in this book, it's not just being somber. There, there are real stories in there, real exciting stories about what people did. Yes. So, so there's also a lot about cars at the end and about Rolls-Royce and Bentley cars that received custom bodies by, by the remaining French coach builders. Yeah, there's a lot of incredible history here. Documents, drawings, photographs, all sorts of uh, amazing things. Is there anything about the book you would have done a little differently now that it's done? I hate to say this, but no. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of like asking a mother after she's had birth. Is there anything you do different? Well, it's no, like, no, of course uh, not. No, no. Well, I am actually happy with the result. I have to say that mm-hmm. I, I, I am. As you should be. As you should be. By the way, there are there are no modern photographs in the book. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, all, they're all, all they're history. all period photographs. The photographs in the book that are in color are those rare photographs that were taken before the second world war uh, that actually were taken in color at the time or photos that have been colorized in period, because that was something that was done in period Mm -hmm. that people would, would colorize black and white photos. Nice. Very nice. But that's very evident when you see them. And touch on real quick, upcoming book projects. I know we touched on that earlier. Well, now I have gone back to Fagoni, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was working on Fagoni, and Fagoni was was half finished with all of the ground research, all the basic research done, when I sort of dropped everything and said to myself, I must write the Kellner book. So that's what I did. Now I've gone back to Fagoni, and I've been doing a lot of house cleaning because when I yanked all of the Kellner material and all of that stuff out of the Fagoni manuscript, I basically left it like – people who've had a party for 50 people yes. and not done the dishes. It kind of gutted a bit. <laughs> yeah, so so it kind of looked like a bombshell that hit, hit the manuscript. Mm-hmm. But I'm working on it now, full tilt, and it's going very well. And end of 2019, beginning of 2020, something like that. Wow, yes. Which is going to turn out not to be true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire, Peter, but... Uh... Well, I'll be checking back in with you. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. (laughs) I understand. I understand. Do you have an author that really inspires you? Uh, Griffith Borgeson. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, I remember when I was a student and I was, I had a Fulbright scholarship to go to Brown in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. I, I was on a trip to New York and there was this automotive bookstore on the fifth floor somewhere, I don't remember where, but I made my way up there. And they had this great big leather-bound book in landscape format with the cord crest on it in gold. Mm, nice. And I saw that book and opened it, and it was this incredible cord book by Griffith Borgeson. And it was three hundred and seventy-five dollars, <laughs> yeah. and it, he could just as well have said thirty-five thousand dollars because I was a student and I had no money, and all I could do was look at that book. Right. 
of course, I, I have it now in my library. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the book that taught me my whole approach, because what Griffiths Borgeson did in that book, which is an, a, one of the best automotive books ever written, is that there's a lot of Auburns and Cords and Duesenbergs and technical development and specifications and all of that stuff in the book. But what he does is tell the incredible story of Aaron Love and Cord and the unbelievable life he had where he started out as a used car salesman. And then, of course, he had Auburn Cord Duesenberg. And then he played the stock market and founded United Airlines and became a radio tycoon and finally a senator for Nevada. That's actually what inspired me for the books that I write now is I want to tell the story about the people who were involved. Mm-hmm. Yes, it always comes back to the people. Well, Peter, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt, and mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with Covercraft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me, and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com, and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. All right, Peter, we're back, and we're entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. You. What's the best book writing advice you've ever received? Uh, That's a good question because I don't follow people's advice. (laughs) Smart guy. (laughs) I remember when the Sao Chik manuscript was done, my publisher said, you know, people don't want to read about South Cheek, they want to see pictures of cars. Mm. And I ended up saying, well, you know, this is the book I want to publish and no hard feelings. But if 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 we can't agree, then 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 we're going to have to part ways and agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And it was published and the biographical part was what people loved. So, yes, um, I, I can't really answer that question because I don't <laughs> people who know me, they know that I don't listen. <laughs> Well, fair enough. Would you share one of your personal habits? Maybe that's it. You believe has contributed to your ability to cl- complete projects like the Kellner Affair? I work hard. Yeah. And I never take no for an answer in the politest possible way. Mm, nice. Because if I had done that, we would never have found the archive material that made the crucial difference. Absolutely. Persistence. I persist and I work hard. Yep. And, and like I said, I don't take no for an answer in a polite way. I just keep on burrowing at it yeah. you know, until I find what I know is there. Yeah, research, research. Now, yes, you touched exactly. on, and you've kind of answered this next question in many, many ways, but the, what is, just to touch on a few more maybe of the many resources you access to create this book. The most important thing 
were the French archives. The French archives are amazing. I mean, they have saved everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want Joseph Figoni's citizenship folder from 1921, they have it. Amazing. The folder, all the documents, all the stamps, all the letters, all the affidavits, all the everything, it's all there. Mm. You have to know how to find it, and you have to wait because they will have it in some remote archive out in the countryside, and it takes four weeks to get it into Paris where you can look at it. Mm. But they have everything. So that's the single most important resource, wow. and it takes a long time. Yeah, a lot of patience. We'll add that yes. to attributes. Now, I know you just came off of uh, attending Retromobile. It's a, a Retromobile, for those listeners that don't know, it's an annual event in Paris. I've been fortunate enough to go. It is absolutely spectacular. And I know you've launched the book there, but where else yeah. will the book be available? Uh, it'll be available from my publisher, which is Dalton Watson Fine Books. So that's daltonwatson.com. Uh, and from a number of... Um, Specialist booksellers. There is Horton's Books in the UK, mm-hmm. Motors Mania in France, and Galena in Italy. So that's basically where 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 it's available. Uh, Dalton Watson maintain a warehouse in America and a warehouse in Europe. So European orders ship from Europe to avoid customs and duty, mm-hmm. and American orders ship from the USA. For the same reason. Absolutely. And of course, Dalton Watson, wonderful book publisher, some of the best books available. All right. Absolutely. Here's a checkered flag question for you, Peter. If there's one singular message that you'd like our readers to glean from this incredible book, The Kellner Affair, what would that be? Have something to say. Don't sit and rehash what other people have done. We don't need another Jaguar E-Type book that just has nice pictures and some captions. We don't need another Porsche book that does the same. So have something to say. Bring something new to the table. Add to the store of knowledge that we have. That's the message. A great book about an obscure subject is better than a mediocre book about a famous subject or a big subject. Yes. Yeah, brilliantly said. Well, Peter, you've taken us on a great ride today. I really appreciate you coming back to Cars yeah, and talking about the Kellner Affair, a matter of life and my, death. My pleasure. It's my been pleasure. so much fun. I've been waiting so long for this, and I'm so excited for you. A huge, huge congratulations to you and your co-author, Ben Erickson, for getting Thank this you. enormous project off the computer and into print. It's absolutely oh, brilliant. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. It's only, it's only 1,100 pages. That's all. Yes. 400 up in the cloud. Yeah. You can read, you can read that in the afternoon, can't you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So <laughs> okay. it's absolutely right. brilliant. Thank you so much for being here today. And listeners, again, if you want to find uh, or get yourself a copy, which you should, this should be on your shelf, absolutely, especially if you love cars, but history added into it which is what cars are all about, and people. Just make sure you go to carsyad.com. You can click on Peter Larson or type that into the search bar, L-A-R-S-E-N, and you'll find both his shows, the show that he was on first here a year and a half ago and this show, but more importantly, you'll find links to everything he shared with us so you can get your hands on this book, and you should. Peter, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise, calling in all the way from Europe today and sharing your incredible experiences with writing this book. Until you and I talk again, 
I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome.